the full transition to civilian rule. This is the first in a series of steps aimed at establishing democracy in Egypt. This is CBS News. Roofing pros. Right now at the Home Depot, buy a pallet of GAF shingles, including Timberline shingles with a lifetime limited warranty, and get your entire order, the shingles and any other supplies you need, delivered to your job site for free. You'll eliminate time-wasting supply runs and take your productivity through the roof, thanks to free delivery with any pallet of GAF shingles. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Pallet through August 15th, U.S. only. See store for details. It was the moment I realized I was about to lose my job. I found myself searching for pills instead of just being with my family. At that moment, I finally decided to get help for my addiction to opioids. The prescription painkillers. At TurnToHelpNow.com, you'll learn that opioid dependence is a real medical condition and that there are different ways to get help, including those in a private setting, without the need for daily visits. That moment led me to TurnToHelpNow.com. Make now your moment. Visit TurnToHelpNow.com today. A legal debate in Texas over a state law requiring would-be voters to show government-issued identification before they cast a ballot. Lawyers for Texas, the Justice Department, and minority groups have wrapped up their final arguments in a federal court, and now it's up to a three-judge panel to figure out if Texas voter ID law violates the Voting Rights Act. John Tanner is an attorney for the Congressional Black Caucus. He was involved in the trial and thinks a decision by the judges won't happen soon. I would expect it uh, sometime early next year. The state has defended the voter ID law, saying that it protects the voting process. But the Justice Department disagreed and blocked the law, alleging it would disenfranchise over a million voters in Texas. Joe Gomez, CBS News, Dallas. About 300 snorkelers and divers have submerged to listen to a local radio station's music broadcast beneath the sea in the Florida Keys. The annual Lower Keys Underwater Music Festival features four hours of commercial-free music, especially programmed for the subsea listening experience. Octopuses Garden by the Beatles, for instance. Sam Litzinger, CBS News. Roofing pros. Right now at the Home Depot, buy a pallet of GAF shingles, including Timberline shingles with a lifetime limited warranty, and get your entire order, the shingles and any other supplies you need, delivered to your job site for free. You'll eliminate time-wasting supply runs and take your productivity through the roof, thanks to free delivery with any pallet of GAF shingles. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Ballot through August 15th, U.S. only. See store for details. It was the moment I realized I was about to lose my job. I found myself searching for pills instead of just being with my family. At that moment, I finally decided to get help for my addiction to opioids. The prescription painkillers. At TurnToHelpNow.com, you'll learn that opioid dependence is a real medical condition and that there are different ways to get help, including those in a private setting, without the need for daily visits. That moment led me to TurnToHelpNow.com. Make now your moment. Visit TurnToHelpNow.com today. KWFM, South Tucson. The views of this program are not necessarily those of KWFM, its management, or its sponsors. The host is solely responsible for the content. mission given to me by Woody Shaw, Sonship, Dizzy, and Billy Higgins, dedicated to pursuing a piece of our cultural heritage through interviews with my jazz heroes. This is the Jake Feinberg Show. Welcome everybody inside the studios of KWFM 1330 The Star. This is the Jake Feinberg Program, and we're happy to have you all along with us. Creativity is my guest with my guest today is undeniable. He grew up during the fusion of acoustic and electric instrumentation. When you saw acoustic guitars from old folk going to electric guitars and acoustic pianos going towards Fender Rhodes and electric keyboards. He extended the bridge a bit further by becoming the MIDI wizard, which on a most simplistic level allows instruments like an electric guitar to sound like a French horn, 
or a harp or a trumpet and so forth. And as he honed this technology, he crossed paths with the Grateful Dead and enhanced and increased their sound with this MIDI technology. My guest has not stopped there. He is a prolific producer, arranger, writer, and pianist, and recently has come out with several different albums, including Second Sight on Sinachi Records, Dos Hermanos, which is a collaboration between him and Tom Constantine, Ultraviolet Licorice with Henry Kaiser, and Solo Piano, Stories in Black and White. So much to get to, science and art converging. Bob Braylove, welcome to the Jake Feinberg Show. Thank you. Good to be here. It's great to have you, man. Thank you. You know, I want to talk to you a little bit about the idea of the way art in general music is portrayed on a sort of a, on a mainstream level. Do you, you've really done a lot of, how much of it is science and art? And is there an imbalance with how people perceive music being too much art and not enough science? Uh, well, you know, um, I always see that uh, it is the role of the artist to take whatever is available at the time and make it the greatest expression that they can. So right now, this is a time of a lot of science. And so people are u- artists are using that science to express themselves. The, you know, some people are believing it's new paradigms. You know, this is a constantly evolving thing. There's always seems to be some reference to the older paradigms. I just, uh, it's a sort of a question of whether you were, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, the tools now are so amazing Mm -hmm. that you can, uh, you can really sort of invent yourself in any way as an artist. Is it your your question is whether it's too much science or too much art? Well, here's the thing: I you know a lot of the guys I interview are uh, guys that African American musicians who even despise the word jazz, and they look at it and say that there's not a that they can't get gigs. Get, don't you know? Don't put this in the Bay Area context, but just put it in musical context. Mm-hmm, sure. They they. They have never been paid for their art. And I wonder in our society if too much, uh, you know, because in gen- you know, take outside of the Bay Area, I mean, sometimes we're, as, as Americans, we're not completely sophisticated. And in some cases, music is more appreciated overseas in Europe and things like that. And I wonder if there was more of an emphasis and an understanding of how much science is involved with music, whether that would generate more funds privately for or just in general more money for musicians to get paid it's it's what i it's what i hear from these guys it's throughout their lives obviously stevie wonder you know the grateful dead well they were different beasts but in general i wonder if there's not enough if people don't have an understanding that there's actually a lot of science and mathematics that goes into music i guess that's what i'm saying uh i i yeah i mean there all of that is is true Mm mm-hmm uh, but for the kinds of people that you are uh, talking about, I think for me, the the science is, uh, is sort of like doing your scales. It doesn't really have artistic meaning until somebody picks it up and does something with it. Wow! Yeah, good call. Mm. You know, mm. uh, uh, so you know it. You know, you play a, you play uh, an A major scale. And it's it's just a scale, but if it's a if it's a crescendo in the middle of a piece of Mozart, and you're adding expression, it turns into something else. So, um, you know, if you, my feeling is that that science is dominating things now. And you can get funding for the scientific end of things. Right. Exactly. And uh, does that? Um, 
Uh, no, no, that, that's exactly what I'm saying is all you hear people saying is science and math. We must put a premium on that. And I say, well, creative arts is essential to our society. Yet, you know, high school band programs getting taken out, music programs eliminated. Well, this is the thing, you know, it, it, the, look, it's without question to me that these kinds of programs change people's lives. They make them better humans. They make them better listeners. They make them be able to put things together in a context unlike anything else. I mean, look, if you, if you, there's almost no paradigm like it. If you're in a band and you're backing up the soloist and your job is there to support somebody else's creation and you get a sense of community by by doing your job the best that you, as you can so somebody else can have the highlight. That's an amazing event. And it's being done without words. And uh, where else can you experience that? You know, it's just uh, the idea that we can lose these things from our society and uh, that we'll still function to the, to the depths and... and uh, heights that we can go is ludicrous to me yeah and it and and uh, i compl- i agree uh it's it's a blindness but it's also comes from the fact that uh you know there we're looking at at a, my generation as an example uh but even a little bit you know i'm 34 and then even younger generations uh you know not being able to get um not get being able to really get at the the mastering what came before them they, they, everything is on a very superficial level so therefore like what you're talking about the idea of playing music and backing somebody up and not even through through different senses to be able to enlighten people if if you're not in t- if you're not in touch with your other senses that's a that's a big problem and we've become very desensitized i often ask the guys on my program and you're a perfect guy to ask because you're you're fusing you've been fusing technology with with uh, human intimacy for many years and um, I often ask the guys, well, how do we stand uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, our progress digitally and our progress human, human, you know, between human relations, human beings? And they all say we, we've probably progressed too much digitally and we've actually regressed in from a human uh, humanistic point of view and a love point of view. Um, and and so that's the balance that I feel right now it was not that way when you were when you were growing up or when you were working within the uh within the context yes well yes i mean uh, i mean uh, i i was bringing technology you know the bulk of my career i've been bringing this technology to old school masters exactly so i was learning the lessons from the old school masters while they were learning the technology's lessons for me. But my feeling is that, you know, you give Stevie Wonder a new synthesizer, mm-hmm. it ain't the same thing as the guy who's trying to sell it to you uh, in the store. Here comes a master. He, the energy that he approaches it is completely different. He comes from this old school self. What, what, where does it go for me? Where, where can I take it? What can I express with this? What will this allow me to do to increase my expression? A lot, you know, a lot of stuff is, uh, you know, and then working with the Grateful Dead, uh, you learn a whole new other thing, especially about time and the elasticity of time and uh how the how things driven uh from real heartbeats time you know from from human beings is different than time from clocks and machines and the, the clock of a computer that's driving a groove or mm-hmm. something like that if you um that's the real psychedelic experience is when everything becomes liquid and the expression is um is uh, focused enough so that the audience member is on this liquid uh, 
flexible, mutating world that the musician is expressing. And when that is, is connected, then you have, you know, you have some, some sort of uh, expression that raises the, vener- gener- the, uh, raises the vibration, increases the vibration of the whole planet. It's, it's... And it's hard for me to imagine that happening sheerly on a mechanical or digital or uh, computer-based level. That, that, that's, you just nailed what I was trying to get at, is the idea of, you talk about Stevie Wonder, I also, you know, you were, uh, I'm not sure if you ever crossed paths with, with Herbie Hancock, but when I... Well, sure, I, many times. You know, as I read your, bi- as I read your bio- biography or, you know, the, what, what, what's available, I say to myself, Bob was committed to having our, the masters, as you say, and yourself as well. Uh, you constantly wanted to increase the sound in order to create, to increase self-expression. That was, that was Herbie's main goal. Where, you know, at the end of the day, he, when he was doing M. Wadishi stuff and he kept getting more yes. horns and more synths, he wanted more sound. And to me, I'm looking at him saying, that's exactly what you did for Stevie. And that's exact, and, and really, you know, more in my, in my pocket is that's what you did for the Grateful Dead, which... Uh, according to Owsley, uh, you know, when he first met them, they were obviously some of the smartest people that he ever met in his entire life. So you take the genius and the intellectualism and the ability to play and the trust, and then you build on that by allowing them to say more through their music, like you said, not vocally expressing, is just magical. And I think... Just one of the, one of the big tasks for me, for example, with, um, with uh, trying to... Uh, get the Jerry system working, was how do I get his vibrato <laughs> translated? Because Jerry Garcia, without vibrato, is another guitar player. Mm. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's, it, without that left hand um, shimmering through the notes, it doesn't, it's not Jerry. So uh, it became a, a something to get... Yet, and, and I, I, though it became conscious as I was working with him, it wasn't quite conscious in the beginning, but he would, and it wasn't that conscious for him, he would just say, well, that's not really, you know, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm triggering, you know, I'm, I'm able to play this trumpet or something, but it's not really working for me, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, you play a line, but, but it, it becomes an instrument for them when they can improvise with it. That's what they do. It's, they're the Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 to me, uh, well, actually, you know, this is a perfect segue. I, I picked out a, a live show from uh, after Bob Braylove had been uh, working extensively on the MIDI uh, technology with the dead. Let's take a listen to some, a little bit of this, come back, and from your ear, let's talk about the, the, the vibrato, if I can speak correctly, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, the, and, and the improvisation of the dead, Okay. Okay.
you're going to have to, uh, we could have gone on forever, but you know, uh, that is the, that is the liquid improvisational element that in a, in a live setting is just, is just remarkable. <laughs> Unlike anything else, isn't it? It's amazing. I, I want to go through this because I, I wrote down these notes and I want to see how accurate I was. When the uh, the opening uh, sound sounded like a xylophone, I think Brent might have been playing something like. Is that is that right? Well, it, uh, I mean, uh, to tell you the truth, when when we went to the uh, when we go to the recorded music, it's pretty distorted in my ear, so I could only hear lead lines. Okay. Uh, uh, it's, it's much louder than when we're talking on the phone. So um, uh, Brent tended to hold off for a lot of things. I believe that the marimba sound uh, that you were hearing with the delays yes. uh, was Bobby. Really? Yes. Wow. Because um, he, he often played that uh, sound. He was never afraid to go out on a limb either. Never. 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 The man is so amazing. <laughs> you know, last year we did this uh, first fusion project. I don't know if you were aware of it. Uh, Bobby did a performance with the uh, 50-piece orchestra. Wow, I'm not aware of that at all. Uh, it was uh, wonderful, wonderful. And I was uh, helping to produce the event, and they uh, did some arranging for it, and did some, uh, there was a first half, which was a chamber orchestra. I did some arrangements for that, and then there was Second half was the full orchestra, and that was uh, done by uh, Giancarlo Aquilanti, who is uh, a professor at Stanford, and just brilliant. And and Bobby, and uh, and uh, and a and a band, you know, which included most of what was uh, Rat Dog, and it was just it was just amazing. It was just amazing. And again, just going out there on a limb, here's a completely different context to perform in for this man. And boom, brilliant. You know, and then I heard, the, obviously I heard what, what sounded to me like a kind of a French horn uh, sound. Or, yes, that was that was Jerry. That was Jerry. And then, I, you know, I, I could be, I, I, it sounded like this like frenetic electric bass. It didn't sound like Lesh, though. It's, you know, there was like a, a bass going on really. Yes, that was Jerry, too. That was Jerry. And then I hear like a Japanese koto sound, almost like a an, an Asian kind of uh, you know flute kind of thing, almost coming over the top. Yes, I think that was Jerry again. Those aren't those sounds are not happening simultaneously. They, you see, they they the the way I approach the Grateful Dead with all of this because you know I had come from Stevie Wonder, and with Stevie Wonder there was a unified sound. It was about what Stevie wanted. And so I could have, um, uh, 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 during live performances, I could have one station that everybody was feeding into, the keyboard players, Stevie, um, drummers, and I could change sounds for everybody in this sort of uh, little control headquarters area. Mm -hmm. But with the Grateful Dead, I began to realize when I started to really get into what the, what they were doing, I be, began to realize that what was required was a complete independence of everybody's system. That there wasn't going to be a predetermined sonic environment that this song was going to be. Everybody had to have the ability to change anything they wanted at any time. So... With that in mind, I gave everybody complete independence from each other so that Jerry could switch through any number of sounds that he wanted to while he was playing. Phil could do that. Mickey could do that. Billy could do that. They could all have control over it. And so you, would, you could have something. You might have played, Jerry might have played a, a trumpet solo on something last night, but you know, tonight he's going to play violin. <laughs> <laughs> or, or two nights, because he's not going to play that the same day in a row, right? He's not going to play that song twice in a row. But, you know, so this kind of independence is, was, um, you know, as, a, as an employee, a good strategic move for me, because I was keeping everybody independently happy. Um, but, uh, but also, I realized, you know, it's really, this is what these guys are about. They're not, uh, you know, 
with Stevie, we were presenting songs from a record, or you know, there, he was he's Stevie's a brilliant improviser, so uh, there was always plenty of that going on. But if you didn't get certain hits, yeah, in in the show, people weren't going to be happy and um, that kind of thing. So the, so things are you know uh, were more. Uh, mastering a sound for a song. Bob, we're gonna we're gonna go to a hard news break. I we, this is we're with Bob Braylove. Come back on the other side. We're gonna do a whole lot more, my man. Okay. Okay. NBC News Radio, I'm Melissa Rayberger. The challenger and the incumbent are on the stump this weekend. Republican Mitt Romney is crying foul. And the president's campaign has been, uh, I think, uh, outrageous in making the kind of charges they have. I think the kinds of attacks are beneath the dignity of the presidency. The president campaigning in Richmond, Virginia, is talking economics. We can't afford to go back to top-down economics. We need somebody who believes in a middle-out economics, a bottom-up economics. President Obama has spent nearly $100 million on television commercials in selected battleground states. Groups that track campaign spending say more than $20 million have been spent in Ohio. Florida ranks second, Virginia third. Cuba's health ministry reports 158 cases of cholera. That is nearly three times as many as previously made public. The ministry says intensive efforts to contain the tropical disease are working. This is NBC News Radio. Roofing Pros, right now at the Home Depot, buy a pallet of GAF shingles, including Timberline shingles with a lifetime limited warranty, and get your entire order, the shingles and any other supplies you need, delivered to your job site for free. You'll eliminate time-wasting supply runs and take your productivity through the roof, thanks to free delivery with any pallet of GAF shingles. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Valid through August 15th, U.S. only. See store for details. It was the moment I realized I was about to lose my job. I found myself searching for pills instead of just being with my family. At that moment, I finally decided to get help for my addiction to opioids. The prescription painkillers. At TurnToHelpNow.com, you'll learn that opioid dependence is a real medical condition and that there are different ways to get help, including those in a private setting, without the need for daily visits. That moment led me to TurnToHelpNow.com. Make now your moment. Visit TurnToHelpNow.com today. Roofing Pros. Right now at the Home Depot, buy a pallet of GAF shingles, including Timberline shingles with a lifetime limited warranty, and get your entire order, the shingles and any other supplies you need, delivered to your job site for free. You'll eliminate time-wasting supply runs and take your productivity through the roof, thanks to free delivery with any pallet of GAF shingles. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. Valid through August 15th, U.S. only. See store for details. It was the moment I realized I was about to lose my job. I found myself searching for pills instead of just being with my family. At that moment, I finally decided to get help for my addiction to opioids. The prescription painkillers. At TurnToHelpNow.com, you'll learn that opioid dependence is a real medical condition and that there are different ways to get help, including those in a private setting, without the need for daily visits. That moment led me to TurnToHelpNow.com. Make now your moment. Visit TurnToHelpNow.com today. Duke Ellington's inspired metaphor, dig not the distortion, got my wheels turning. If you think the sun has set on the golden age of hi-fi, stop the presses. Stereo Hospital is the light at the end of the tunnel. At 4044 East Speedway, it is your oasis in the desert of broken stereo dreams. Whether it's a dead silent amp or a broken needle, owner Jeff Brucker does it all from the heavy lifting to the icing on the cake. A guaranteed, quick, and reasonably priced repair will put you back on the sunny side of the street. We know that music has charms to soothe the savage beast, so don't cast your old components to the winds. Visit us on the web at stereohospital.com or find us inside the Metronome Music Store east of Alvernon at 4044 East Speedway. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the defense rests. Brought to you by Mixed Metaphors. Folks, this is Jake Feinberg. When it came time to decide where to buy my daughter a piano last year, the choice was easy. We got it at Hackenberg & Sons Piano Company. 
Located at 4333 East Broadway Boulevard, Hackenberg & Sons is Tucson's longest-running family-owned piano business. Run by three brothers and a son, they pride themselves on superior instruments and customer satisfaction. It's why they've been around so long. And it's why their pianos are used at the University of Arizona, Pima Community College, and many other prestigious institutions. So whether it's for your child, business, or yourself, when you buy a piano, make sure you go to Hackenberg & Sons. It'll be the beginning of a long-lasting partnership. For more information, visit them at hackenbergpiano.com. Folks, this is Jake Feinberg. One of the first things I wanted to do when I moved to Tucson was find authentic Chinese cuisine. After a tip from the Chinese Student Association, I headed over to Badar Chinese Restaurant. Well, it's been seven years, and I have never looked back. Located at 7321 East Broadway Boulevard, Badar has been a family-run operation since 1992. The award-winning chef produces succulent dishes from sizzling ginger chicken to salt and pepper shrimp. The thing that separates Badar from the rest is that the chef procures ancient oriental dishes with the exotic island flair of Taiwan. Most importantly, there are no gimmicks or razzle-dazzle at Badar. You won't find any flat-screen TVs or karaoke machines. Badar is a place to go enjoy good food and spend time with your family. It exudes peace and tranquility after a long week of work. So come down and check out Badar Chinese Restaurant. Hong Hao Chu, it's that good. In this day and age, people have a lot to protect. You want to know that when you're insuring valuable goods, you have an agent you can trust. Craig Pretzinger is that agent. For auto, home, and life insurance, the Pretzinger Agency is Tucson's most honest and flexible insurance company. Have off-road vehicles or motor homes? Pretzinger can cover that as well. Pretzinger Agency at 299-5810, located across the street from Sullivan Steakhouse on the southwest corner of River and Camp. Trust, compassion, and service. The whole package at Pretzinger Agency. Call 299-5810 or text quote to 520-582-5150. 520-582-5150. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Be a part of a new coalition with Jake Feinberg. The second half of my show starts right now. No problem here on the Jake Feinberg Show today. We're joined by Bob Braylove. Bob, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I, I wanted you to keep going about... The delicate balancing act of taking your expertise and trying to fit it into the individualism and the need for control within the quartet or the quintet that is the Grateful Dead. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this this was part of the magic of the band. Uh, you know, was was how completely different everybody was. You know, Jerry had this bluegrass background. Mickey was bringing the Giotto monks and Ayrto Moriera mm -hmm. and Flora to the shows, right. and uh, Babatunde, and Phil had his classical background, and uh, not you know not not just old classical, but the modern cons you know, classical, the you know the Sea Stones era uh, electronic music that he you know he had that aesthetic. Uh, Billy had that. New Orleans kind of vibe that he's able to create, you know, and is doing so well with creating with uh, Seven Walkers and, you know, just, uh, and Brent coming from a completely different place, uh, you know, and to, so to realize that these, this works because individuals are getting together. And I think it's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, that this show is, it appeals to the show is because that's kind of what happens in, in a jazz ensemble. You know, Miles Davis's bands, to some extent, I mean, he works within a certain, uh, the earlier records within a certain kind of context, So, but it's those people that you want to hear. Exactly. You don't, you know, it's, it's, it's this combination of individuals. It's not any sax player. It's this guy, whether it's you know John Coltrane or somebody else. It's it's that combination of people that was completely magical. You know, my definition of of a, I mean, I interview guys that fall under the jazz idiom, but the labels to me are just horrendous. And the thing is, when I look at when I think of a jazz cat, I think of a guy who can play boogie woogie, like swamp boogie, uh, blues, gospel, R and B, reggae. So then, what you're talking about is bluegrass. Uh, you know, Brent, I think, brought, I mean, in my mind, especially when he first joined the band, he was bringing some really beautiful jazz uh, and, and, the Hammond, mm -hmm. and the Hammond organ. You have Bobby's just incredibly angular rhythm playing. You had Phil, yes. Phil being... Yes. I, you know, in doing this project with him, yeah. 
because uh, with the uh, with the small uh, ensemble that we the chamber ensemble that we did, um, uh, I was adding a lot of jazz stuff to it. What kind of stuff? Uh, well, Birdsong has this incredible. We did this arrangement of Birdsong that was just so much fun that ended up with these kind of. Uh, he transitions to these solos and. In C sharp, it's in E, and he moves to C sharp minor, and we were building these uh, kind of horn pyramids, <laughs> almost Maynard Ferguson style, yeah, 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 with yeah. orchestral instruments. Wow, wow! To build up these crescendos against the solo, um, and uh, you know, and so we, Bob, uh, Bob, and I had these wonderful conversations because this was, you know, it's been a couple of years since I got to, 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 you know, delve into the Grateful Dead stuff the way I got to with that project. And uh, so we had lots of conversations about development and his, uh, his style and how he does this rhythm stuff. And he says, well, you know, one of my major influences is Bill Evans' left hand. Oh, yeah, that's that's not that's pretty abstract. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's I mean, but it, that's how he can do it. Right. You know, yeah. It's unlike any other rhythm guitarist in the world. Right. I, I, I tend to think because he had such an unorthodox style of learning because of the dyslexia, that everything that he's... It's always outside the box with Bobby, and yet uh, more often than not, uh, you know, it's just so unique and it's invigorating. I mean, it's just... It's a beautiful thing, and now to hear him... You know, I'd like to hear some of that. That that would be, that's fascinating stuff. I just... I, I go back to the idea that I... You know, even during the period of time where... You know, I tend to really focus. I'm actually curious to ask you a question is that you were working with the period of time that I love from the Grateful Dead most is the the early 80s, even uh, like in around 84, uh, even when Garcia's health was really deteriorating. uh, They still seemed to uh, exude this sort of uh, I, I don't know how exactly to say it. It was just it was it kind of struck me as a honky tonk bar band. But yet they were swinging like crazy. I mean, it, they had it was very jazzy in some ways, and I think that it uh, it had psychedelic influences. There's no doubt. But I wonder when you first because when you joined the band in '85, that's around that time period. Did you know when you worked with them uh, on the Twilight Zone sessions that when did it dawn on you that this idea of uh, multi instrumentation through the MIDI technology could really work with them? Was that something you knew going in, or, or is that something that it was an evolution? Um. That was an evolution. Uh, to to be honest, um, there was resistance from crew members and things like that. Um, and uh, I had to, uh, I, I basically had to wait until a band member said, "I wanted, I want to explore this with you." It had to be an organic thing. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, initially it, it happened with the drums. That was the first thing to get converted. And, of course, Brent. But Brent's stuff, you know, uh, after the Twilight Zone, which was not so much for me working with the entire band, but individually I got to know them all. Uh, and then when we were doing the uh, overdubs for um, In the Dark is when they called me in again, having had the experience in the Twilight Zone, saying, okay, he's crafting sounds that we want to include on this album. And at the end of that, they asked me to go on the road and see if I wanted to work with them full-time. Mm. And, uh, and the job was then to make the albums that had been created for the, the... I mean, the sounds that had been created for In the Dark uh, possible on the road so that signature sounds could then be used and played and have fun with. You know, it's interesting. I, my, uh, my, my email address, my Hotmail account, for the last since when I opened it, probably for the last 15 years, has been Midland84. Mm-hmm. I, 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 never, I never saw the dead. I, and I, 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 obviously Brent died in, in 89 or 90, and, and, or 90 and, and uh, you know, he gets... I, I truly believe that it, as, as, as history moves along that uh, he will get more and more credit 
because uh, of his just it, the amazing dexterity. He gets written off as somebody who is like an East Bay guy, not cultured, not intellectual. So he couldn't, he never felt comfortable being able to hang with these guys intellectually. But when you listen to, and you know how how amazing those guys were as musicians, he was with them from the start. I am amazed at how quickly he gelled. I was just hoping you could talk about a, a guy, he's he's been passed now over 20 years uh, and I, oh my God! Some, 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 hard to hear it that way. <laughs> yeah, and, and someday when I go up 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 to the up to the sky, I hope I get a chance to have a have a beer with him and, and hang out because he struck me as somebody who is the perfect tonic for the band. And I was just hoping you could talk about your relationship with him a little bit. Well, um, he you know magical as a player. I think just um, stunningly magical. Mm-hmm. Um, what made him so? Well, um, he was he, there. Uh, things that he did that were amazingly subtle, but also the the one of the things that he could do with the Grateful Dead that uh, few keyboard players could do or understand how to do was to be in the music present sonically in the music, but transparent at the same time. He never played a chord that blocked you from hearing another player. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yet, he's, you feel like he's a major influence on what's going on, but it's completely transparent. It's sort of this incredible shimmer of sound. And um, I remember... Uh, stand, standing behind him at a show and watching him orchestrate something where um, he would he would play say an electric piano sound and he just he just play the first verse and chorus and play it straight and then he'd come back and and the, for the second verse and add a chorus a chorusing you know on it. So it began to shimmer just a little bit, and then he would play it slightly differently. But he wouldn't he wouldn't reinterpret it. So as the as the as the piece was evolving, he's orchestrating his sound to add mystery and to shift and to you know it's constantly moving, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, without without ever getting in the way. That's what was so amazing about it. He was so nimble, and 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 you even listen to you know you listen to these tapes, uh, and it's like Garcia's he's he's off he's finishing some kind of uh, riff, and Brent is almost like right on his tail. It's perfect color, no blocking, and he adds his own accent. You can hear, it and it just keeps it, it just it's a cycle, and it it was just confounding. I, my question for you is though. Was did you find? Was he an articulate person? Did, was he able to talk in ways to describe what he was trying to do, or was it more of, a, of an idiosavantish kind of thing? Well, I, uh, I wouldn't call it an idiosavant kind of thing, uh, but um, he wasn't. Um, he he wasn't really somebody who talked that much about the music. Um, he, you know, he, he, he didn't, um, uh, he, he, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't about the words. Mm-hmm. It was really about the music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the sound. And so he would, uh, I would, uh, generally, you know, I, I, I would program new sounds for everybody, every tour. So every tour, they would have some new things. That is un. That is so cool to hear. I, I, that's that's unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, but, but I mean, and I, that that just go ahead, continue. Your th- finish up so, that thought. So, so I was constantly offering some new things, and you know, as I got to understanding, well, I need to set this this sound for Jerry's vibrato. You know, I could get quicker and smoother, and uh, you know, and they, we'd have discussions on the tour. Boy, I'd like to be able to do this. I'd like to have a horn section to do this during this song, and so I would customize things and present them to them, and they'd explore them during space. And if it worked for them, they'd integrate them into the into the songs. Uh, and so, 
usually our discussions um, would be, especially with Brent, would be concerning something that was in front of us. Here, is the, here are these horn sounds for uh, Pocky Way. Mm-hmm. Right. You're playing the organ with this, so it has to be on this key. It has to be controlled from this keyboard here that's on top of the organ, so you can play this. And, you know, <laughs> the logistics are all part of it. Um, but uh, it is part, you know, it is the, it's not like someone is talking abstractly about it. It, 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 we, you know, um, it's in the craft, you know, here, here's the, you know, I've just whittled this for you. What do you think? Oh, change that, change this. Oh, this feels good. You know that part? See if you can make that happen in these other sounds, too. You know, it becomes very much in your hand, uh, and not, it's all, and it's not also, sort of abstract concepts of music. Right, and, and, and it also is about staying in the moment and not, uh, I mean, the point is that after it was done, there wasn't a lot of talk. The talk was cheap. It was just about doing it, you know, and, and being within the music at that time. I mean, I find, um, I have to, I, I must say that uh, it must have, these guys were all so uh, curious that you came along at a time in the band when it, it, it couldn't have been a better tonic, right? I mean, it, once they got well, it, for it, me certainly. Well, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, we're you know, we know Braylove. I mean, I mean, I, I can only imagine you. You know, you you hold a, a unique uh, place in history. There's no doubt, and you and you're humbled by that. But for those guys, uh, having new stuff, new. Tr- toys, new things to play with, the, the challenge of it. it. It definitely gave them a boost. And when you look at it, uh, you know, those later 80s years, 89, 90 were strong years. And I have to believe it's because they were really becoming very comfortable with that technology. Well, uh, you know, I, I hope so. Uh, they certainly, um, I hope that, that that's a piece of the connection. You know, the reality is they were great before they ever met me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I have to make sure that, uh, you know, uh, I, I mean, I, cer- I certainly think this became something they could engage with. Certainly Mickey, I think re- it revitalized Mickey's approach to the drum solos and things like that. And he was very excited, and, and he was pushing envelopes all the time, um, trying to do new things. Well, it just, I mean, it was, you know, you, you look at, yeah, I mean, even before that, uh, you know, bring, like you talk, talked about, I mean, he, he'd invite Ayerto or Olatunji uh, to uh, to these shows, you know, bring in the Africans or the Brazilian uh, rhythms, and then, and, and, and Billy was a great swing and jazz drummer, too. I mean, he had the New Orleans stuff, but it, I, you know, I will say this, Bob, is that, um, you know, I don't, I don't listen to much Dead Outside of 79 to 84, the early mm-hmm. Midland, Midland years, the early years. In fact, um, almost exclusively. And for a long time, I would just continue to, and I still do to some degree, listen to, you know, long jams, psychedelic jams. And now, after 15 months of really turning my ear towards uh, what you would call improvisational music, some people would call it jazz, now my favorite parts of a, of if I was at live shows and when I listen to shows now, I love listening to the drums in space. It's the jazziest part of the shows. It's really quite remarkable. I mean, in some in some respects, just the the improvisation, the 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 contours, the sounds, and then just the 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 the, mul- the, the multiple percussion is something I never appreciated before, and now I wholly appreciate it after this 15 months of... Well, it's quite magical. I mean, and to, and to think, I mean, uh, uh, you, it, not only is it musically magical, but the phenomena of taking that kind of risk of completely free form, I have no references to, to, to hang these things, but free form improvisation in front of 60,000 people every we, night yes yeah that's it's, well it wasn't 60,000 every night right. but you know the summer tours were they were pushing that in front of 40 to 60,000 people a night and uh, amazing yeah 
Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we, we uh, Bob, we're going to, I want to play a, a, a piece in honor of Brent, uh, Bob Braylove, also a prolific piano player. And we're going to play through this track and probably go to a news break. So just, we'll come back right after and, and, and continue on. Okay. Right. Gonna, all right. Okay. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you. 
Dos Hermanos. We'll go into detail right after this. This is the Jake Feinberg Show on KWFM 1330. The Star. CBS News. I'm Sam Litzinger. UN observers say a deadly attack in the Syrian village of Tremsa appeared to target the homes of army defectors and activists, and assailants used weapons including artillery and mortars. Photojournalist Daniel Leal also managed to reach the area. The town was really heavy uh, shelled. You can see uh, destroy everywhere. Uh, residents were holding the left of the you know, mortars and uh, projectiles from the tanks. The U.N. monitors entered the village today after activists said dozens of people had been killed there by President Bashar al-Assad's troops. A prominent Afghan politician is among about two dozen people killed in a suicide attack in Afghanistan. Authorities say the former guerrilla leader who fought against the Soviets in the 1980s was welcoming guests to his daughter's wedding when a suicide bomber blew himself up. Other government officials were wounded in the attack. Folks, welcome back. It's a rollover segment of the Jake Feinberg Show with Bob Braylove, and that was off an album, Dos Hermanos, and the, that track was called Velvet Jungle. Um, just, you know, it, it was interesting. It's, it kind of had a, the, the vocals uh, had that Aerto Flora kind of ring to them. Yes, that was uh, Tony. It, beautiful. Uh, and, I mean, what I love about this pro- these projects with, with Tom is just, you 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 don't ignore i mean you take world music very seriously it's very obvious through all i mean we could play all of these tracks and they all resemble some kind of uh, middle eastern kashba or uh, you know some sort of sonic thing or you know some sort of cosmic thing like the moonscape or budapest you know it's middle eastern it's european it's western uh but but it was interesting to hear uh you know you and tom playing off each other as well well that's what it is <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it is about us playing off each other, and that that uh, you know, Velvet Jungle came from uh, the f- one of uh, that was uh, that c- we played that live in um, at the Wetlands in New York City. This and, yeah, uh, th- this says oh, that's right. It was the Wetlands. I was looking at the New Paul show. This was from the Wetlands on uh, January. Yes, and that was our first tour. This was like the this was the the the. F- third or fourth time we'd played together in public. That's unbelievable. And um, we were playing uh, at the Knitting Factory as part of a band, uh, a big band doing Grateful Dead music. And uh, we opened, Tom and I opened, and it was our first tour. And, uh, you know, the magic was happening right away. And so it was... Uh, it, it, I, I, Tom sat in once with a, a, the second sight band that I, I had. And that's where we connected. I, uh, I was started that band while I was still, while the Grateful Dead was still working and at the end of their scene. And, and I said, Tom, come up to uh, the studio, Club Front, and let's go over the tunes together. Uh, just so that when, you, when we get into rehearsal, you know where you're going because it's all original material and you can't, you can't find it, uh, you know, and uh, we didn't have recordings then. And, you know, I wanted us to have figure out what the double keyboard thing was going to be. Well, I set up a keyboard for him, set up a keyboard for me. We started playing, and immediately we were getting each other's personal jokes. <laughs> yeah, right. Inside the music. Absolutely. That's awesome. It was unspoken. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I would wander off into some little area, and it would be maybe it would be Debussy, and he'd respond with Debussy, and he'd wander off into some little place, and I'd go, oh, Stravinsky, I can play that. Right. So <laughs> it, was, it was actually, I mean, it was a, it was a, 
it was something similar to a call and response, uh, you know, sim- situation where, you know, you, you, he'd, he'd take you one place and you'd, you'd, you'd tag along and you'd go another place and pull exactly. him. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and then yeah. pulling back and forth. We just got out of the studio doing, finishing a, a double acoustic piano record. Wow. And it's awesome. Well, I, you know, all this, I mean, just for the record, do we have that other uh, track queued up? We're, we, I want to play this other track that I was listening to, and we'll come back and talk about that, okay? Okay. That was. Uh, did you did you spend time at the Ali Akbar Khan School of Music? Are you play hand percussion? <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's uh, you know sequence programs with uh, uh, with a with a drummer. But live. that no, but that taught that that was those were that that this this cat Paul Van. Can you pronounce his last name for me? Van Wageningen. He was playing. He so the electric tablas. That was that was digital stuff. That wasn't real tablas. Right. Okay. You know what I what. I, but and uh, so how much of that was was um how much of this was was actual instrumentation how much of it was was digital um you mean how much of it was samples exactly that yeah thank you um um just the tabla and i think a little a little bell was uh like i mean i mean you you were doing those organ fills like those 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 organ lines was you yes oh that's great yeah see because i mean you hear the midland influence there yeah <laughs> well it. i mean i he's Still, I still, uh, if I'm stuck in a in a musical spot, I will still uh, see him as a. And I'll, I'll look, you know, what's the subtle way to get out of this problem, or 
what's the solution here? How you know? Mm-hmm. It's a you know that he still comes to me as a, a major musical influence uh, because he's you know he. I think that uh, for me, the thing that was amazing about him was that there was a soulfulness connected to every note. And, it, it, you know, it didn't matter what song. You know, certainly he has that jazz feel. But he could do it in a, any song. And that connection to it uh, keeps it from being arbitrary. It makes you feel like the statement is, is real, that he's, there's a reason for it, and he's expressing himself through it. And that's the trick, man. You know, you could, you know the difference between a band that's playing what they rehearsed and a band that's feeling what they're playing is night and day. Bob Braylove, I we we need to do a, another interview real soon. I just uh, wanted to play some of your own tunes, and I just it was for you to be able to articulate this stuff. Uh, it, it's vital for our cultural heritage, and I, uh, I look forward to collaborating. Well, it's it's what you're doing, man. It's keeping it alive. So this is very very cool because this, people are not uh, people are listening to computers. And they have many things to offer, but they don't have this other side. They don't have the, the soulfulness. That's right. And, uh, and, and just like when you're stuck musically and you turn to Brent, emotionally for me, and I need soul, he's the guy I turn to as well. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon, my man. Okay, thank you very much. Have Jake. a great day, Bob. You too. This is the Jake Feinberg Show, KWFM 1330, The Star.